Alright, let's go. <clears throat> this podcast contains, uh, explicit language, adult beverages, delicious tobacco, and, what's that say? Flagrant misuse of dice? What does that even mean? Who the hell wrote this? To hell with it. I need a drink. Huh? Oh, okay, whatever. <clears throat> this is the Dice and Pipes podcast. Coming at you from the far abyss. Dice and Pipes. What's going on, Chris? How are you? Make sure to check us out on uh, the Insta chats and the Twitter grams and the you fucks and whatever else. Dice and Pipes. Spell out that ampersand. Don't use the ampersand. Don't use it. I don't even know how to spell ampersand. A couple of numbers. A-N-D. Yes. Uh, there you go. <laughs> A-N-D. That right. checks out. Uh, how are you? I couldn't be better. You know why? Because I'm drinking wild turkey American honey. We have about a, a sip of an Estes flask worth of... Oh, shit. An <laughs> Estes flask. Very good. I'm glad we actually got to measure it by that and not Thomas Jefferson's finger in his asshole. That's right. We're at the turkey's foot of uh, American honey. I like You have one, two, three, four, five, six, presumably seven different kinds of tobacco in front of you? Yeah, yeah. A small amount. And... One, two, three, four. Only four pipes. Four pipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to pick and choose what I want to smoke. Uh, so Clyde. This episode, in this episode, yes. Clyde has been, he's very kind. He's a very kind gentleman. He has. And he is a gentleman. He, he, Make no mistake. Of the utmost character. I mean, you, you really can't judge Clyde's character. No. He's a true gentleman. He is. He has afforded me the opportunity mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. smoke. I mean, it's a basic pipe, but it's a great pipe. It's a little Savinelli Series 3. It's a little Levat. I like this little pipe. It's my Virginia pipe. And I will be smoking today some Peter Stokeby's Luxury Twist Flake. Funny you should bring up Stokeby. Apparently, is it Eric Stokeby? There is an Eric Stokeby. Okay, so is it different? They are because different. Because somebody said, uh, I, I was too lazy to pull it up, uh, but basically they were calling us to task. Taking us to task, I think it's called. Who is that person? And go fuck yourself. That's, <laughs> is that's it what Eric Stokeby or Peter Stokeby because you use both? There are two different Stokebys. There's a Peter Stokeby. Stokeby really is like the Smith of last names. It's Smith and sure. Stokeby. It's like Gaweth, right? There's Peter and Eric Stokeby, and then there's Samuel Gaweth and Gaweth Hogarth and some other bullshit. So it's, I guess they go hand in hand. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is what happens when you buy 20 pounds of tobacco in like five months. <laughs> I'm a fucking maniac. Um, so there is... No, a- this is Peter Stokeby tobacco, for that douchebag who questioned us. Peter Stokeby tobacco. There is an Eric Stokeby. He does a lot of like fourth generation type stuff. Okay, because that's what my question was. Because uh, I want to look up that guy's name. I want to call him out right now. <laughs> oh, you're serious? You got your phone in your hand? I got my phone in my hand. I'm gonna look this up. I have nothing. I don't know anything about tech. So. I, I looked at my tobacco, and it I is. did see Eric Stokeby. There is an Eric Stokeby. Yeah. You know what? Fuck that guy. I'm actually gonna go to Smoking Pipes right now, and I'm gonna tell you the difference. 
Mm. I already know the difference, but I'm going to educate you, the listener. All right. Um, How do you even spell Stoke a B? I know there's a couple of silent E's in there somewhere. There's a lot. Lot. I see Stoker. There you go. I del- You're holding out on me just so I don't get angry. I deleted it because I thought he was full of shit. And then I looked at my tobacco chest and I said, oh, fuck. I better bring this up. No, there's definitely... Um, so I'm have- not going to let somebody besmirch the good goddamn name <laughs> of Dyson Pipes. Look, I don't own anything Eric Stokeby. Not one thing do I own has Eric Stokeby on it. All I'm, I have I'm are... Smo- I'm, I'm smoking plum pudding, by the way. You can go ahead. I'm sorry. Plum pudding made by Seattle Pipe Club. Made by Peter Stokeby. The- <laughs> no, Eric. Is it Eric? Frank. Frank Stokeby. Frank Stokeby. <laughs> Junior, the third. <laughs> We'll make it. Anyway, usually I think like Eric Stokeby stuff is like fourth generation type stuff that he does. He does like, I've seen ashtrays. He does mm-hmm. tin tobacco, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Peter Stokeby does a lot of bulk tobacco. And whoever questioned us, um, yeah, I'll take a picture of this. Actually, I can't even take a picture because it's bulk. He'll think I'm lying. He'll call me out. He'll be like, dude, you made your own label. That's bullshit. That's exactly how I pictured his voice in my head. Yeah, uh, dude, you, you're smoking the wrong, you're referencing it the wrong way. Peter Stokely. Is, That's beta, is he Beto O'Rourke? He's had a lot <laughs> of... Whoever called this out has a lot of soy. A lot of soy. He's been drinking fucking Yoohoo. That has soy. I don't want to talk about Yoohoo. It's developing the man boobs amongst little boys. That's terrible. I think, I think I'm out of lighter fluid. Come on, son. Here. Here's a whole Zippo tent. I don't want to shift this over your way. It's going to fucking fall. Probably light the cabin on fire. You got long arms. Your arms are like eight feet. You could probably reach across this whole table. I could. I have a gadget arms. Go, go, gadget arms. One of my favorite cartoons. A great cartoon. Of all time. I was a big fan. So you're smoking plum pudding. How do you like plum pudding? I like it. Yeah? I don't like it as much as the pirate cake. This is definitely like a once a day because it's, uh, it's pretty peppery. It, peppery. Peppery and fruity. What do you think Jim Inc. says about plum pudding? He says something about the front notes and the back notes and the... A lot of notes. A lot of notes and mm. the, um, the, the back flavors and the downsides and the... A lot of bread and... Yeah, like a lot of cut and copied... Weedy figs. Cut and copied comments from other tobaccos, if I had to guess. Plum pudding. It has a nice little ring to it. Now, is it the regular or the special reserve? No, I'm, I'm too cheap to get a special reserve. I got regular basic bitch plum pudding. Dude, his reviews are, I, I, I do agree with you. He is copy and paste. He's a lot of copy and paste. I think he takes like whatever elements are in the, uh, are in the tobacco and then just has a gigantic database considering he's done 2,291 reviews on tobaccoreviews.com. Can you tell me if the Virginias have a little grass, piquant, dark fruit with a touch of barbecue in quotes? I was the, just but the gonna, barbecue has to be in quotes. I was just going to say that. It, right? Not a touch of barbecue, but a touch of barbecue. Right, yeah. Air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to air quote that. Does it have a spicy raisin and figgy parique, but only as a minor player? If there was a minor player, it would be the spicy fig farik. Farik. All right. Uh, well, I've uh, rolled yes. a drink on Dyson Pipes, of course, if you... What did the Parikh get arrested and then convert in prison? (laughs) 
if you're stupid like me, then you got to roll to drink. Uh, ten or higher, I do not drink. On a crit, uh, Chris will drink. Fuck me. Oh, <laughs> you're drinking twice. You, you forgot to mention on the fumble. You drink two times. All right, so here's one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well done. Uh, here's two. It's delicious. How can you uh, it? It's fucking American honey. Oh, okay. What does this even say? Exceptionally smooth liqueur blended with pure honey and bourbon whiskey. That is wild turkey American honey. All right, enough of this bullshit. I got a toast I want to make. I'm very angry this week. If you, thought I was, if, if you thought I was mad about the you, uh, you have another thing coming. I can't wait to hear this. I want everyone out there, wherever you are. Are you on the assembly line building a plane? I want you to pull out your drink because you know you're drinking. Are you flying said plane? Pull out your drink. Mr. Pilot, who's got hundreds of people's lives in their line. Yeah. Was this a guy in Ethiopia? Right. The Malaysian Airlines already went down. All right. This uh-huh. is your time to shine. You know what I'm saying? I want everyone to raise their glasses wherever you are. I don't care if you're the police. You raise your glass. Or the Pope. Or the the police or the Pope. This toast goes out to you fucking maniacs out there that still handwrite checks. The paper check. I'm sorry? The cashier's check, perhaps, should not exist. We live in a world where I can video call some fucking maniac in Tasmania. Yes, yes. Yet, uh, uh, I, I could pay for things on Vimeo. Have you heard of this, Vimeo? This is new to me. I've just heard about this. You, you type in someone's name and you send them money via your smart tele- telephone. Why, are, why do we still have paper checks? Why do I have six checkbooks in my bread box? Why do you have a bread box? For bread. Why are checks? Don't, don't be fucking stupid. This is I have bread in my bread box. <laughs> and lots of books of checks. So when's the last time you mm-hmm. wrote a check? Exactly. Last month. You son of a bitch. And, and, and to take it a step further, as a matter of fact, I just deposited a check two days ago. That was handwritten. From whom? Uh, from the gentleman who rents my house, my rental property check. Now, what if he if he electronically sent you that money? Instantaneously? I would be, Yeah, I would be. I would actually be happier if that was done. But I haven't. To be honest, in 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 his defense, I have not even offered that as an option. So that 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 was never even discussed. So our arrangement is: he mails me a handwritten check once per month to pay rent. In when 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 the smart telephone was first released yes. in two thousand eight seven, mm-hmm. I was convinced it was the end of paper checks, and I believe that future is still coming, where we no longer have to write three hundred T H R E E H U N D R E D. No, it's very important to spell out the amount. Why you have to do that is beyond me. I guess so somebody doesn't tamper with the numbers on your check. So then let's turn the table. When was the last time that you wrote a check? You or your wife? Oh. Mm. 
Couldn't tell you. I write electronic checks, e-checks, if you will. So now let me ask you this. E-checks and balances. <laughs> my, my town, when I pay my water bill, only accepts checks. So how would I, how would I send them money? That's your town's fault. That's not, I don't blame That's not, you. Okay, so you don't blame me. Yeah. They should get with the times. I agree. I have to piss again. What the fuck? I got a very weak bladder today. You might have prostate cancer. I think so. I'm probably dying. Drop your pants. Let me check. What, what the? <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, I'll be right back. Yeah, uh, through magic of editing, Yes. we're going to go pee. I think I have to pee, too. Holy shit. All this check talk gets me gets my piss moving. Make me have to urinate. We got the pee out of our bodies. We got the smoke oh. in our bodies. We're, we're, we're ready to roll. Uh, so anyway, to finish my... T- oh. No way. Damn it. Here, add more because... Thank you. I my, need more. My teeth were floating. Take your medicine. I got to get, get the plunger. Uh, sidebar. <laughs> side, side toast. Thank yes. you to the children who clogged my toilet because they take monster shits and then use monster amounts of toilet paper. When I was a kid, I remember like unraveling like half a roll just for one wipe. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's normal. Well, that's what kids do. And I yeah, know yeah, that's yeah. what they did. But of course, I was like, well, I have a choice to make. Do I come out here and smoke pipes and talk D&D with you, or do I go inside and spend five seconds to unclog the toilet? Fuck those five seconds. So we'll just keep peeing on top of the yeah, fucking yeah. 30 gallons of water in my toilet. Yeah, whatever. And I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, after I peed, I'm like half drunk, and I completely forgot, so I flushed. Oh, you did? Yeah, like an idiot. <laughs> and I, I watched the water rising. I felt like it was... Uh, Oh, what was that fucking like end of world movie? Um, was it the one with Denzel Washington? Was the no? Was the Denzel day after one. tomorrow? Was it day after tomorrow? What was the other one? There was another big one around the same time. Twenty twelve. No, which is the no no no. It was way way earlier. That it might have been the day after tomorrow with the with the the girl. What was her name? Something Leon and her father were like hugging on the beach, and the giant wave came in. Oh, uh, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. That that's what it reminded me. I flush and I watched that water rise. I thought like a giant fucking tsunami was about to hit me in the bathroom. <laughs> to the point where I literally got on my hands and knees in your bathroom. I was ready to turn off the fucking valve for the water, and then I just I watched it settle, maybe like an inch below the rim. <sighs> so close. I was saved. So close. Now, once the water got to that inch below the rim level, that's when I want to take the motherfucker who called us out on Peter Stokeby. You're still hot. And take his face and smash it into the toilet water. Because that's what somebody, yeah, he deserves that. Or she. I don't, I don't know who said it. I would do it to her, too. <laughs> Fuck it. I'd dump <laughs> you her do, fucking. You'd do it to her, too? Damn it. Hera. I meant the goddess, the Greek goddess. Fuck. And eight. Oh, we're drinking. Take your medicine. Anyway, mm. uh, so to paper checks, fuck you. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Why not? Thanks. Thanks for doing it. <laughs> Why I get two drinks? <laughs> Fucking son of a bitch. So, let's continue on uh, Harrison Bullet's adventure. I believe in paper checks. Harrison Bullet writes paper checks. He d- probably does. Well, I mean, there's no there's no magic in Debrin, so. Which means no internet. Yeah. And we all know that's how the internet was created. Right. Magic and wizardry. Yep. Uh, so let's check in on him and his adventure. I have a feeling this is going to be a good one. Yes. Ah, the following gameplay is brought to you by Paladin Coffee. Enjoy a delicious cup of amazing coffee and get you through your day. Find them at paladincoffee.com.
I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so uh, we are in a gigantic circular chamber. Uh, you have just killed a gigantic uh, spider. That did not go well. I mean, it's dead. You're not. I'm close to it, though. Right. With one eye. Uh, you deftly opened a ornate chest that was at the base of a huge statue in the center of the room. And your party is very interested to see what was inside the chest. When you opened it, there was an old parchment. And before we begin, you are smoking... Peter Stokeby's. Very regal. Luxury twist flake. It's luxurious. It smells luxurious. It is. It's very velvety. I, of course, have uh, the donation that you so graciously gave me of um, squadron leader. Mm. Getting ready to do the trench run on the Death Star. I think that's rogue leader. Uh, or red leader. Red? Isn't that wedge? Red five standing by. Um, and what? now we have to get our drinks all situated. Mm, yeah. And we have some. Oh, got. Yep. Oh, and that is Thomas Jefferson. Bourbon. His personal bourbon, I believe. So it's got to be pretty old. Well, it's a very small batch. <laughs> so the bottle says. <laughs> there you go. This is good for sipping. Oh, this is delicious for sipping. There you go, good sir. And cheers. Cheers. Glasses are great. We should probably put a poncho on the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we cheers like like whiskey comes out and like splashes on the No, nah, it'll make it record better. Oh, good. It'll give it like or mix that. better. Yeah. All right, let's take a sip. Mm. Okay. It's... um. If memory serves, it feels like it's just a touch softer, but a touch smokier than Woodford. Yes. Yep. I totally agree. I think it's a... I think it's a gentler whiskey to sip on than yeah. Woodford. Like, Woodford's a little more harsh than this. It's a little more woody. Like, this is, I think, a little smoother. Yeah. You know? I would have to try them side by side, because it's been a while since we've had Woodford. But, yeah, goddamn. Yeah, it's good. God damn! Mm. How's almost, that, Virginia? It's delicious. I almost don't want to talk. I just want to smoke this. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so, you're examining this parchment. D this parchment? Yes. Okay. And Whitmore asks you... Oh, the brains of the operation. What, what is it? I don't know. It looks like a... Uh, looks like a map of some kind. I'm assuming the swamp... I'm guessing it's it's pointing to three locations in the swamp, but the language on the map, I can't make out. I can't even make out the orientation. Like, gives... I don't even know which way is north, south. I kind of... Uh, I, I walk over to Albert, because he seems to be the most experienced one. Uh, right, because he said that he's been to the swamp before. Yes. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the map to Albert and see... Uh, I ask Albert if... if the geography on the map resembles anything that he may have seen in his travels down to this one. Do you hand it to him in that orientation? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna okay. give it to him like that. But at, at the same time, like I'm kind of, mm-hmm. it looks like I'm driving a car. You know, I'm holding a paper. I just don't know right. which way is up, which way is down. So you hand the the, par- the parchment over to Alford, and uh, he examines it for a moment. He orients it the way that we have it here. Oh, good. And he says, "Yeah, this is a." Uh, this is the swamp. Uh, I have no idea what is written on this. This is not a language I've ever seen before. Oh, you don't speak alien? He asks Whitmore for that piece of bark. And Whitmore displays the piece of bark and says, See, the, I mean, this is kind of burnt out. And he compares the bark to the drawing that you made in your journal of okay. the painting. He says, See, the, the, this is very harsh angles. I don't think this is the same language. This actually looks like it could be words. No idea what the words say. But if you look at this, this almost looks like a like a picture. But I don't really understand the relevance of any of this. Um, I do know that this thing on the far, I guess, west bank with this writing here, there is a settlement there. On the northern or the southern end? All the way on the west, on the peninsula. Oh, on the west, I'm sorry. Yeah, on the peninsula. Uh, that's a settlement. Okay, and it's it's not a very nice place. It's um, it's Who known. Are, what lives there? It, it, so, from my understanding, um, the Imperium used to send their criminals out into the swamp to die because uh, the swamp is is very dangerous. And those people that survived made a settlement there. It's commonly known as Swamp's Edge. Um, it's a bandit cutthroat kind of a town. Um, I would presume that maybe those those letters say Swamp's Edge, but Swamp's Edge isn't really an official name. That's kind of just what it's been known as. So I, I wouldn't really be able to tell you for sure if that's what it says, but I know that commonly in that area, they know, they, they know that town is Swamp's Edge. As for the thing in the north and that thing in the south with the writings, I can only assume that those are some kind of landmarks. But nothing that you've come across? No, there's nothing there. There's a, you know, somewhere near the middle of the swamp, there's an abandoned village. Um, it looks like it might have been like a hunting community or something at some point. And I know that 40, 50, maybe 100 years ago, a really bad plague went through, which is why they started putting Right. Exiles in that location. So that village predates the Imperium's uh, sending of criminals to the swamp. It was probably roughly the same time. The swamp's never been a really popular place. Right. You know, trying to survive in a swamp is is not easy. Right. But, I mean, the locations of these, I know that it's a hand-drawn map, so it may not be 100% accurate, but those don't look like anything that I've ever come across. Uh, to be fair, I've never really traveled south that far. Uh, and I really don't venture too far into the swamp, so I'm really just taking a stab in the dark. How far is this journey south uh, beyond Hexley? So, uh, I would say if we make good time, the weather seems like it's starting to break a little bit, we're getting a little further south, we could probably get to Fort Vogtrim in roughly about 10 days, and the fort is probably only about three, four days from the edge of the swamp. And that, that's, that's considering we can make it out of this cave, A, alive, and B, without running into any Imperium. Right. I mean, we haven't heard anything yet. I mean, I'm not sure how, how well sound travels in this cave. I'm pretty disoriented. I'm not even sure really how big this cave is. I feel like we're close to the entrance, but 
you know, uh, we've we've made so many lefts and rights. I'm having a hard time keeping my bearings. Yeah, you and me both. Hey guys. Yes. What more? What's on the floor? I look down at the floor with my one good eye. You see, you see um, a series of little divots in the floor uh, that look like, if you could get far enough away, look like maybe give some kind of impression of a logo or a design or a picture of some kind. It's kind of hard to tell because you're so close to it. Roll perception. How high is the ceiling in this room? Hundreds of feet. Oh. It's like a domed ceiling. This is this is almost like a smooth finished or as though you walked into like an opening within the cave. It looks like it's supposed to be a smooth finish, but you know from deterioration and crumbling, it's a little jacked up, but oh, it oh. looks like it's almost like a uh, like an amphitheater. Oh, okay. 7. You notice that these divots in the floor are very smooth. It's not like they're broken up or perforated and they go directly toward the back of the chamber and disappear underneath the rear wall. So from a distance, they might form a picture, but it seems like they're converging onto one particular point within this cave. And they don't exit this chamber. All right, so it's it's contained solely within this chamber, but... And where they converge to, it's just a, it's a cave wall. Towards the opening of the chamber where you came in, it starts out as a point. And then two rivets go back towards the back of the cave. They come together almost making a triangle. Then the two rivets go straight back again, and then they disappear behind the back wall. How many entrances to this uh, this cave? Just one that you can see, the one that you came in. Okay. And you said this uh, this cave opening is, is fairly large. Yeah. It is uh, roughly 30 to 40 feet wide. Okay. All right, so I start following the uh, the rivets in the in the ground. So as you follow them, you can see that they definitely start to converge. It obviously looks man-made. Yes, they don't look like giant claw marks Correct. or anything like that. In the Correct, it looks like something they're very uniformed, out. very okay. symmetrical. But they before they have a chance to do whatever it is that they're doing, they vanish behind the back wall. Okay. All right, so I follow them to the wall. Okay. Is there anything on the wall? No. There any gaps between the wall and the floor? Give me an investigation check. 18. So, yes, they gap underneath the the wall. Uh, if you were to put your hand down, you can feel almost like a breeze touching your fingers. Upon further inspection, you do notice that there's a rock uh, that's slightly bulging out further than the other rocks. On the wall or in a pile off to the On side? On the wall. It's like sticking out of the wall slightly. I'm going to investigate that rock. When you touch the rock, the wall starts to vibrate. You can hear some kind of unknown mechanism clicking. The wall begins to rise. I take cover. Nothing happens. Oh, okay. The wall just rises. All right, I look from behind my cover down the... What did it expose? Like a hallway or another room? You can't tell. It's pitch black. Pitch black by magic? No, that my just, torch it's won't just go dark because there's nothing else in okay. there. If you were to bring your torch in, then obviously it would light up. Right, right, right. All right, so I, I look at my uh, look at my party and say, "Should we? Uh, you think we should go down here? You think we should rest up for a bit?" Roll perception. Fifteen. Spread out and find them. Oh, 
son of a bitch. You can hear dozens of footsteps. Dozens of footsteps. Alvor looks at you. We need to make a decision. What are we doing? From behind us or from down where we uh, just, just opened echoes, up this door? You can't tell. All right. Uh, let's go down this hole. Alvord grabs you guys and shoves you in. He hits the mechanism with his left hand, and he rolls in as the door comes to a crashing close. Okay. So now we're trapped in this room. Yep. Or at least behind the wall. We don't know what else is in here. Your torch goes out. I try to relight it. It won't relight. As your torch goes out... Is it, like, damp? Several purple torches lining the walls light up. Inside the room is it's pretty small. It's a rectangular-shaped room with purple flames on the torches surrounding the room. In the center of the room, what looks like uh, like a reflective pool on the ground of some kind of liquid. On the back wall of this room is an image, and it's a map of Debrin. Okay. But it's a little strange because the map doesn't have the circular lake in the center. So whenever this map was made, it predates whatever tragedy happened in Debrin to create that circular lake. So is it just flat land, or is it a giant It looks mountain? like Debrin, but without that. No, 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 I understand, but where the circle was, right? Where the, where the lake is with the center island? Like, what is actually there? It's, it's mountainous. Just, it is mountainous. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you notice a series of markings. There's one marking that's roughly where you're standing right now. There is another marking. As in marking the cave. Correct. Right. There's another marking in the northeast in the area that you know of as Windspell Forest. There's another marking to the west in the area that you know of as Steel Star Ridge. Are these all locations that we past avenues to get to them on the way down no. from Northridge? Windspell Forest is in House Starfall and Steel Star Ridge is in House Dragonwatch. There's another large marking right where today's Imperium is located. To the northwest of Debrin is another large body, landmass. And to the northeast of Debrin is yet another large landmass. Landmasses that I'm familiar with? No. Or? As far as everyone on Debrin knows, Debrin is the only continent on the planet. Okay, so I would equate... I would equate my reaction. I think I would equate my reaction to a flat earther finding out that the earth is round. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd just be blown away. Like, hold on a second. I thought Debrin is the only body of land in this world. I look to the other two. What, what are we looking at that shows two other bodies? And why, why is the lake not here? How old do you think this map is? It's not a map. I mean, how old do you think this, uh, this drawing is? Alvord is just standing there with his mouth agape. Believe it or not, Whitmore, in, uh, in the academy, we learned that a couple thousand years ago, uh, there was a tragedy that happened on Debrin. Um, and it became known as the Crimson Conclave. Uh, it's a holiday that we celebrate every year. Um, there used to be, at least legends tell, of lots of different bizarre races that lived on this land. And there was some kind of catastrophe that created Lake Debrin. And, you know, the elders seem to think that 
the the reason the lake is so violent and rapid, which is why we use airships, uh, is a side effect of that explosion. After the explosion, the Thunder V Sanctorum was created and the first emperor was installed. Uh, he basically forcefully took over the three houses. In Debrin's history, it used to just be House Dragonwatch, House Fogtrim, and House uh, Starfall. And they were three separate kingdoms. And somebody came along after this catastrophe and brought everyone under his control. I don't know how. Um, you know, history is very hard to come by in this world. Uh, and they created the Thunder V Sanctorum and they went out and over the course of hundreds of years eradicated everything that wasn't just human. Wow, Whitmore. We may have found a purpose for you. Thank you. That water's really dangerous. What? The, the lake <laughs> Yeah, no. Dangerous. I'm just blown away. Good. Okay. Uh, the, the torches that line the wall. Uh, I, I hate to grab one, but can I remove one from the wall? I mean, you would need some help. They're pretty high off the ground. Okay. How about this? Can I take the torch that I have and put it to the flame of the torch on the wall to see if it'll ignite my torch? If you kind of stand on your tippy toes and reach up, yeah, you could probably reach. Okay. So I try to do that to see if I can, you know, light the end of my torch. It does not light. It does not. Correct. Light. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I want to inspect the water. Okay. Uh, by the way, the, the grooves converge around this pool. Um, the two grooves that came into this room split off twice each. So now there's four grooves. Okay. Two of them go straight into the pool if, as if you were walked through this entrance. They continue to go straight right into this pool. The other two jut out at like 90 degree angles and then come back in almost making a diamond shape going into the sides of this rectangular shaped pool. Okay, so the, the the main two lines that come in split into four, but all four of those lines converge into the pool. Correct. Okay. What's on the and on the other, the far side of the pool on that wall is where this map is. Correct. All right, so actually before I inspect the pool, I think I'm just going to make a quick notation in my journal, the map. Okay. So I'm going to jot down the map. Um, is there anything else on the walls? Yes. What else is on the walls? On the left wall is... A figure in some kind of ornate looking armor and he's holding his hands out as if trying to welcome somebody the hands themselves are very ornate looking is this a painting or a carving it's a carving so the the cave wall is carved out um so it's almost it, it almost looks like a statue like embedded in the wall Correct. of this guy so what's what's interesting about his hands is it the color is it the shape do they look like human hands it looks like this figure was carved into the wall, but the the hands are kind of jutting out. So, like, the whole thing is kind of chiseled away. Right. Except for the hands. The area around the hands was caved in, so the hands stand out. How big is this? That Like, is it human-sized? I would say maybe, like, twice the size of a regular human. Is it a human? You can't tell. It's hooded the hands look human or they're wearing like it's like gloves like gauntlets right can I touch the hand yeah I just want to inspect it nothing happens nothing no I'm not looking for it I just want to see there's nothing oh. it feels oh. like stone okay okay what's on the other wall the other wall is a similar looking figure maybe the same figure 
uh, except this time he's his hands are holding daggers. Everything is carved in except for the daggers. The daggers are carved out. So the hands on both of these statues protrude from the uh, the wall. So if I was at the edge of the wall looking down, I wouldn't see the statue. I would just see these hands on one end and, and the, the hands da- holding nope, daggers. Oh, just the just daggers. The daggers. Okay, and the daggers are obviously stone that Correct. were carved. Okay, um, both unusually tall, like twice the size of, right. a, of a human. And then with the uh, with the map, that and the map is carved. Yes. And on the wall opposite the map is just the door that we passed. Correct. Through, or at least a short little corridor with the torches. Correct. And same thing like the other cave. It's you know like hundreds of feet tall. Yes. Or this is like a uh, uh, well more no of a this this room, room yeah this room kind of shrinks down in size a bit. Okay. The um. All right. Now at this point, so I tried to to light my torch off of one of the other torches, and that failed to work. Can I take one of the torches down? No. So that's like embedded in the wall. There is no correct. Okay. I'm roll a perception check. Ten. You can hear very soft, very muffled voices on the other side of the door. You can't tell what they're saying, but you know that whoever came into this cave is now in that room. Oh, man. Do I run over to the door and put my ear underneath to see if I can hear? I investigate the water. I want to see what this liquid is first, since I'm standing right there. The water looks to be pitch black. As you approach it, and are you going to look into it? Yeah, I want to look into it. When you look into it... So I'm like kneeled down, probably on the end of where the map is. So... Like, is this a rectangular body of water? Yes. So I would imagine, like, from when we walked in, it would be elongated in that direction. Picture, like, a pool that's rectangular, that's the same shape as the room, but it's set flat to the ground. With the water right up to the edge of the floor. Right. There's, like, no copings or anything around the pool. All right. The water just comes flat to the floor. All right. So I take a knee. So the map is behind me. So the two statues are to my left and the wall that we came through is in front of me. So I I kneel down in front of the pool to just kind of gaze into it to see what it is, if it's water or... So you can see, when you look in, you do not see a reflection. Instead, what you see is a kind of strangely colored light, um, almost as if you were looking through a tunnel. Purple like the torches? No. It's, a, it's an odd color. The, sh- the colors are kind of shifting. Um, from like a orange to a pinkish to a yellowish to a bluish, the colors are always kind of transitioning. Okay. And it looks like it, whatever you're looking at looks like it's hundreds of feet away. It looks as though the colors are coming from the reflection of the light in the room, or do I perceive it as being hundreds of feet under the water? It's hard to tell because it's very disorienting to look at. Is the water wavy? Like, is there a ripple in the water, or is being that it's just still water in a cave? It's, it's just, just still flat. water, yeah. Okay. And yet, I'm seeing these different colors of shimmering light that appear to be hundreds of feet, potentially, in the water. Right, unknown. but again, picturing as if you were looking through, like, a periscope almost, the color is only where you see the lightness at the end of this hole. So it's hard to discern whether that light is a byproduct of the reflection of the torches above you, mm. because most of the pool is still black. Oh, man. I, I, I touch the water. 
Oh, I don't like that look. What What do you mean you touch it? I just kind of like put my hand. I don't sink my hand all the way in, okay. but just like on to like break like on the, the surface, surface tension, yeah. just to kind of like like almost like as if you would wave with your five fingers spread apart. I just put my my hand down on the water and just gently kind of massage the, the okay. top of the water just to break the tension of the water. When you do that, you can see ripples from where your hand are, is, uh, but the ripples do not protrude out to the rest of the water. They're isolated to right where your hand is. If you were to pull your hand out, it would not be wet. What? Does it feel denser than water? No. Like it's, it's not gelatinous. No. It still feels like water. further i cut my two hands together okay as if you were to put your hands under a faucet together to pool water in it like you were going to drink it i'm not going to drink it though but so i just kind of see if i could scoop some of the water out okay in my hands just to bring it under the light to look at it uh when you scoop it out it acts like water it comes out of your hands are you wearing gloves no. Okay. So your hand, you notice that your hands are not wet holding this water. And it's rippling in your hands. But again, like the ripple is from the movement of your hands. The ripple is not coming out of, expanding out towards the sides of your hands. And you also notice that, you know, if you try cupping water, it always leaks through the cracks in your fingers and it's not leaking anywhere. So it's behaving like it's gel, but it's the thickness of water and it's not wet. Right, and I just kind of tip my hands back over and dump it into the pool. When it falls into the pool, it it just kind of dissolves back into the water, no ripples. Okay. I want to take I take the end of my torch mm-hmm. and just dip it in the water. The the end that would be lit. Okay. How like like just a little bit, just like like maybe halfway. You know how I I picture it. So figure like it's like the the burning end. Even right, maybe, out is like twelve inches. Right, maybe like four inches. Just, it hits. Just, the, it hits the bottom of whatever this is. Oh, so the pool. This is not deep at all. No, or is it a step? I, I just kind of move in a little bit and stick it in there. It's still four inches yep. deep. About. Um, I just try to light that on fire, not the pool, the torch. It it still won't light. It won't light. Okay. So the eight torches in the room. They're four on either side, lit with this purple kind of flame. Uh, there's not... Uh, it, it's it's roughly about ten torches, and they circle the entire room. They oh, go okay. all the way around. Okay. So the room is pretty well lit. What um, What's going on with the voices out? Are they getting louder? Do they sound like maybe they're converging on where we are? You can still hear voices. Okay. If you want, you can check and see. Yeah, at this point, I, I tell Alvaret to go by the door and see if he can make anything out. While I continue to investigate the pool. All right. So uh, Whitmore and and I get or uh, Alvord and Whitmore, I guess, go together. Um, Alvord is leaning down, putting his ear against the crack, and he conveys to you that it seems like they're not really sure what's going on, and they're just th- systematically checking this cave. Okay. So they might be in and out of that the main yeah. area that we were in before. And he says he doesn't know how many, but there's quite a few voices. Okay. Um. I, I just do a, a quick another search of this room to see if there's another way out. Not that you can see. Okay. I want to investigate the the grooves on the floor in here that lead into this pool. Okay. See if there's anything unusual about these channels. No, they're very smooth. Uh, instead of coming to like a semicircle at the bottom, they're very angular. 
Okay. Making almost like a 45 degree angle. So it almost looks like a V, a long V just cut. I want to scoop some of the water out and pour it into the channel. As soon as this liquid hits the channel, it's almost as if the water from the pool starts gushing. There's no waves, there's no splashing, but it rips through these channels under the door into the next room. Oh, shit. So now this is, the pool is now rising, so to speak, and filling the four channels? it's, It's not rising or lowering. It's just gushing for seemingly an unlimited supply of this liquid through the channels. And heading back into the room that we were in. And rushing almost like a like a circular, like it's coming out one side, going in, coming back in the other, and it's rushing so fast that at some point it just comes to a rest and everything is now that liquid. In in the uh, in those four channels, which then converge into two, which then lead out of this room into the main right. room that we were in. The image in the pool fires forward, almost like you're falling through this tunnel, and now you can see this it clearly is a sky. You see kind of cloud shapes inside the pool, but it's no longer looking like it's through a tunnel. Now it's right up in your face. Oh, so right on the surface of the water appears to be the sky with all the same bright colors that were... Right. Okay. Alvord stands up. We have a problem. What's the problem? They're rushing towards this wall. They're starting to bang on it. And I would imagine I would hear this. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Um, It it wasn't hard for us to find a way in here. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm stepping... Into the pool? As soon as your second foot hits the pool, it feels like you're falling. Oh no, this was... For minutes. Minutes. It seems like an eternity that you're falling. So I'm like Loki in Ragnarok. Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Suddenly, you slam into a ceiling. What? And then fall to a ground. Where am I? You are in a very circular chamber with pillars around you. And like a white, pinkish nothingness surrounding you. Uh, Behind you are these pillars. In front of you, the pillars go all around, picture like a circular room. At the front of this room, where you're facing, there's stairs that go down. And you see lots of statues of old kings, old men, bearded figures, robed. Some of them have swords, some of them have axes. Uh, And they're all standing above similar looking pools to the one that you just fell out of. But they're all black, these pools. I, I look up. All you see is this weird, orangish, pinkish, kind of color-changing sky. And no Alvord or Whitmore? No. So I'm sorry, just explain the room one more time to me. because yep. It's like a white marble cir- floor. floor. Even the walls. Well, there's no walls, there's just pillars. Like if you were to walk through the pillars, you'd fall through this white, orangish, pinkish, cloudish... So Stop. basically, if I fo- <clears throat> excuse me, the only place to go is following this marble towards where these statues are. Yes, and each statue is built in front of another pool of this black liquid. Liquid, but walking through it, I wouldn't step into the liquid. I would follow right, this like marble off to the path side, right? Down a set of stairs, and behind me is is I would drop off if I continue right. to go that way. All right. Well, um, I would imagine I I, I just kind of pause for a minute. I'm confused. I'm probably scared out of my mind. I have no idea what's going on. This is all obviously new to me. I'm looking up, hoping that Alvin and Whitmore are going to be joining me soon 
But I would imagine after a certain point, I get the feeling that that it, I'm alone. Okay. All right. Carefully, I'm going to make my way down the marble path towards the stairs. So, again, you're walking down these marbled stairs. Picture like old Greek. Right. Yeah, that's buildings. what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you notice that this this structure that you're on is not connected to anything. It's just almost kind of like flying. There are no other structures or really any discernible images anywhere around you. Almost as if you're floating in nothingness. As you walk, you see these statues. Nothing really stands out about the statues except for the last statue at the end of this corridor. All open skies. There's no roofs. There's no ceilings. There's no walls. You're just an open air. Now, the sky, is it reminiscent of what I was seeing when I originally looked into yes, the pool? It's, it's just like very iridescent and yes, exactly. shifting colors? Okay. The last statue at the end of this walkway is not before a pool. It's standing by itself. It's roughly seven feet tall and gigantic. As you approach, its eyes start to glow blue. Yeah, I take a half a step back. It is, now, I would, I would picture this statue is by itself. So the other statues are what? Lined up? Opposite each like other. Like flanking right. this hall, and it leads up to this one particular statue that's facing back down the hall. Towards you, yep. With no pool. Right. Okay. The eyes glow blue, and you can see its hand tightly grip a huge warhammer, and it steps forward. Oh, fuck. Are you kidding me? It leans down and surprisingly quickly gets right in your face. It leans down. The body appears to be made of some kind of polished metal in between spools and strands of like a real strong dark oak wood. Its eyes are glowing blue and it's got a hinged jaw. Every once in a while, a little hiss of steam blows out of certain parts of it. He leans down and you, it almost sounds like he's sniffing you. I haven't showered in probably weeks. You're the traveler. The traveler? You must be. Um... <clears throat> I kind of pick myself up. Where's your armor? Who are you? I detect a 98% chance you don't know what I'm talking about. Always this way. Always send them this way. How did you find me? Who are you? I am Citadel. You're the traveler, yes? He's going to know if I'm lying. I introduce myself to him. Harrison, what's that book that you're carrying? It's my journal. Let me see the book. I'll show him the book. He takes it in his gigantic paw and starts opening it up, and he's kind of scanning it. Yeah, you are the traveler. Where's your weapon? I assume I show him the crossbow that I picked up. You mean this weapon? No, your divine weapon from the old gods. Am I dreaming again? I say that aloud. I don't know what dreaming is, but you don't have the right weapons. We got to get you your weapons. Which which portal did you come through? <laughs> I like this guy. Um, Citadel. Yes. We were investigating an old mining cave in Hexley. Are you familiar? No. 
Well, within this cave, there was a secret door that me and my party discovered. We were being followed. I stepped into the pool and I ended up about however many yards back it was. How did you find the cave? By following the channels in the floor. Hmm. Portal channels, most likely. The cave was located in where? Hexagon? Hexley. Hexley. Never heard of it. Where are you from? I'm from the old world. The old world? Yes. Where is that? Wherever the old world is. What world are you from? I'm so confused right now. Are you sure I'm not dreaming? Do you have a pen? I have a writing utensil. Good point. <laughs> Do you have a quill with ink? <laughs> we, oh, we, are drif- we are drinking Jefferson's Do a, bourbon. <laughs> Do you have a pick? <laughs> draw the land you're from. <laughs> oh, he wants me to draw it? All right, so I draw him a map. Uh, give me a... Just a flat dexterity check. 16. Okay. Uh, yeah, the old world. What do you what do you call it? So you're familiar with this? Yes. I'm from Northridge. I point on the map. I don't remember that lake being there. Show me where this cave is. All right, so I point to where Hexley is. Ah, uh, yeah, South Cave. Okay. How did, how did you find it? It's a old mining cave. There's so many mines in the old world. Who told you to go there? I swear it was a calling. We've been having these reoccurring dreams, and it led us to this cave. Mm, the traveler appears to do drugs. <laughs> what calling? What do you mean calling? I don't understand. In my dream, I saw images of this cave. Where traveling south, I'm sure, being that you looked in the journal, you saw the image, and I put Yeah, it the out. old gods. Wait, uh, you know, I show him this thing. Yeah, the old gods. That depicts the old gods? Yeah. In what way? That's the old gods. As in three of them standing together? Yeah, it's like when Prince became that symbol, the old gods. (laughs) Oh, that guy. Yes, yes. (laughs) The artist formerly known as Old God. Good. We're on the same page. So you are the traveler, but you had visions. Who Were there there any people in these visions? Three women. The sisters. Yes. So you are the traveler. Come on, let's go get your weapons. And he starts marching uncannily fast. This thing looks like he's probably about 500 pounds and is just bolting right towards that uh, portal. Like I have to run after him? Yeah, come on, hurry up. And he grabs you by the scruff of your neck and throws you up onto his shoulder. Oh, fun. I'm like Pippin. Come on, traveler. He runs towards this pool, and unless you protest, he's going to jump in. Nah, at this point, man, I'm just, I'm all in. So as you, now sitting on his very brawn shoulders, uh, you appear back in this room without such dramatic theatrics. He's able to kind of control the flow and flies up into this room. He slams his head a little bit into the ceiling of this room, shaking everything. Alvord and Whitmore spin around because you've literally been gone for a split second. And you land back on the ground. Alvord and Whitmore both draw their weapons. Outlanders. 
Outlanders. He, he puts you down on the ground and readies his warhammer. No, 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 no. What? I, I run between him. We have a 98% chance of success. The fat one looks like he's never even fought. <laughs> I said, these are my friends. You're with, you're with the traveler? Whitmore has no idea what to do, and neither does Alpha. They're just both sitting there. They're gripping their weapons so tight their knuckles are whitening. I tell them, put their weapons away, or at least put them down. Not down on the ground, but like at their side. They holster, they sheath their weapons. What's that noise? Beyond the chamber wall. Are those outlanders? Yes. He walks up and almost as if instinctively, he slams on a piece of the wall. The door opens. At least 15 Thunder Force suddenly come to life. They look and they see this tremendous beast come walking through the door. As he walks, you see the the metal plates on his body start to shift and contort and steam starts blowing out from everywhere. He takes his Warhammer and within 30 seconds, everyone in that room is dead. Holy shit. Whitmore is not going to be happy. In, within 30 seconds, he kills over a dozen guys. Just swinging that hammer, smashing them, crushing their bones. They're slamming up against walls. As soon as ever the last guy drops, his plates kind of contort back to the way they were supposed to be, and he kind of gets into a more relaxed position. Thank you. Let's go. Where to? We have to go see the sisters. They'll know where your weapons are. Who, who are these sisters? They're the sisters of the old god. What's with the floor in this room? The portal. You know what it is. You used it. You've been, you've been shown the way. You're the traveler. Is the liquid still in the main chamber? Yes. Now that the, uh, the carvings on the floor are filled with liquid, can you make out what it looks like? Or it's just some sort of like... Uh... It's your symbol. It's whose symbol? The symbol you have written in your journal. Oh, so these are the two lines that are feeding out of the room, and then it fills these channels. So that's what it looks like on the ground. Yes. Okay. Which now is easy to, to make out, being that it's filled. Okay. Uh, where are we going for these weapons? The sisters must know where they are. Where are the sisters? You've been missing for a long time, traveler. I just kind of look back at Alvord and Whitmore and just kind of shrug my shoulders and be like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. Whitmore kind of leans forward. Uh, listen, um... Not, you know, just because I am Thunder Force doesn't mean uh, a whole hell of a lot, I guess. But uh, we're killing a lot of guys. We didn't kill anybody. Well, I don't think the Baroness is going to care. We might want to just get out of here. Yeah, well, we're going to follow this guy out of here. So then that way, if we come across any more trouble, I think this guy is well equipped to take care of it. All right. Um, I mean, if you guys want to go, I'm curious to see where this guy plans to take me. Alvord has no idea what is happening. He just sees this gigantic construct and it just murdered 15 well-armored, well-equipped men. Yeah, which is why I'm not going against this guy's judgment. So out of the cave? Well, wherever this guy is headed, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm following. All right, so... Close pursuit. Citadel tramples forward. And he's making lefts and rights and this way and that way as if he knows exactly how this cave is laid out. He makes his way to the entrance and pauses for a moment. <laughs> cave in. Traveler, you have not taken care of your portal. And continues marching out the only available entrance. 
Which, of course, leads us to the outside. Which is the entrance that we came in. Correct. And he just, like, crushes the corpses as he's walking by. Like, he could care less that there's anything under him. And you are greeted by another handful of Thunder Force and the Baroness herself standing there. And without hesitation, he grabs his Warhammer and starts walking toward them. Oh, no, 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 no. I tell him to wait. <clears throat> They're outlanders. Ah, oh, son. That symbol. They're heretics. Heretics? That's the term that he uses, which is also the term that Thunder Force uses? What do you mean they're heretics? They're believing in false gods. Look at that symbol. I've never seen that before. There's only one old god. Oh, man. The Baroness steps forward. Who or what are all of you? Oh, so she sees us behind this guy. Yeah. Okay. Traveler. Yes, it is. There's more behind us. Excuse me? There's more behind us. Heretics. Outlanders. Behind us? I look behind us. I have a 92% chance to survive. You do not. What's my percentage? Not good. Oh, no. Wait, who's behind us? More Thunder Force. Uh, they're kind of like up on the ridge above with bows drawn on you. There, there's got to be 50, 60 people here. Who did this? She looks at uh, Whitmore. You, you're one of mine. Did they capture you? He's not one of yours. I, I speak up. He's not one of yours. I'm Harrison Bullet. Uh, I, I, Alvord has the Ritz, right? So I take one of the. Uh, I tell Al- Alvord to give me one of the Ritz. Alvord pulls one of them out of his bag and hands it to you. So. Um, in a way that I feel will not get me killed, I very slowly approach the Baroness with both my hands up with one of the writs in my hand. And um, I, again, I approach the Baroness and I say, I am Harrison Bullet of Northridge. I have been entrusted on a quest per the Emperor. This writ will explain everything. She takes the paperwork from you, and without opening it, she's glaring at Citadel. What is this wicked thing? Oh, he's with me. Are you aware that this is magic? No, not at all. It's walking armor. And what would you like to do about it? She, she kind of glances at you kind of sideways a little bit. And she breaks the seal on the writ, and she unrolls it, and she quickly reads it. She's seen these before. Oh, so you're working for the Empire. Yes, ma'am. And you found it necessary in the course of your mission to murder my men? We did not murder Maybe it says it somewhere on this writ. Jackson, give me a torch. She takes the torch, and she looks like she's reading it even closer, and she lights it on fire. I don't care about your writ, Mr. Bullet. That's right. I have two more. You say that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Like, the purpose, I think, in my head is obviously a lot of her men have 
died here by the hands of this fucking monstrosity. So I'm just trying to flex my muscle a little bit. Trying to give the impression that, you know, uh, I don't even know what impression I'm trying to give. I'm just trying to make it seem like we're more important than what we actually are. Whitmore pushes forward. Yes. Baroness, it's my fault that these men died. The ones inside, they were dead when we found them. I'm not sure what monsters lurk in that cave because you people never examined it. We happened upon it by accident. We were being chased by a bear. We panicked. That's my fault. I'm offering myself to you in exchange for the two people that died needlessly. The ones inside, who knows what happened to them. Now, you can accept this offer or this thing here while you may kill us, we'll surely murder every single living thing in this city. I've seen him in action. The Baroness nods to her men on the sides of uh, flanking her, and they grab Whitmore and start dragging him away. Alvord looks to you and looks at Whitmore. And says, I work for the Empire, too. If he goes, I'm going with him. Yeah, I, I pipe up. I say, nobody's leaving this place without my authority to do so. I say, unhand my man, or I will unleash this terror on this town, and I will make it a point for him to slaughter you, and I look right at the Baroness. I say, you treat that writ like the paper you wipe your ass with. I say, but let me tell you something. In my power is my trusty friend here, Citadel, and I will make certain that he wreaks havoc on not only you, but I will slaughter everybody in Hexley. Roll but an intimidation check. Oh, dear God. 17. You can see her kind of gulp, and Citadel looks at her. Traveler. Yes. She's a 98% chance of agreeing with you. She's sweating. She does not like that comment. And she says, very well. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. For the meantime, this thing is not to be in city limits. If it is, I will strike every single one of you down. And if he kills the rest of us, then so be it. But you will, you die first. You have my word. And I call Whitmore back over. One more thing. Mm-hmm. This Thunder Force, this rogue agent, and his friend. Who is she talking about? Whitmore and Alvord she's talking about? Okay. They're burying these two. It's only fair. That's fine. I'll help them. Welcome to Hexley. And she turns around, walks away, and the men very cautiously back away. They don't turn and walk away, exposing their backs to Citadel. They start backing away. Mm. Citadel turns to you. She's also hungry. I could hear the rumbling of her stomach. She needs food. Should I tell her? No. No, we'll let her figure that one out. So uh, Alvord and Whitmore go, and they start doing whatever they're going to do with the bodies. This guy isn't allowed in Hexley. Um, what are we doing from here? Where are these three sisters, Citadel? Are they within the confines of the city? I don't know. 
The three sisters go as they please. They're in charge. Well, if... The old god picked them. Well, in tracking them, do you think we can do it without stepping foot into Hexley? I mean, I don't think they would be here. You would know, because they picked you. Okay. I say we circumnavigate Hexley and start making our way south. Where are we going? We're heading towards Vogstrom Swamp. Or, I'm sorry, I pull out the map, and I point on the map, and I show him this map. Oh. Are you familiar with this? Yes. What can you tell me about it? It's the old language. Do you know what it says? Of course I do. What does it say? The image on the north says Path of Crows. The image at the south says home, and the image to the west says flesh. Mm. Flesh? Flesh. Like you. Uh. Can you tell me more of the path of crows? I don't know what that means. That sounds like the sisters playing tricks. So do you think home in the south is where they would be? Where we can find them? It's someone's home. But we don't know who wrote this. Path of Crows makes me think it was the sisters. It might have been the auntie. Who's the auntie? She's the leader. Of the sisters? Yeah. Alright, so I think we... I think we make haste. We get out of Hexley. And we head south. What are you going to do with Citadel? Yeah, I don't... I don't want to leave him outside of the city at this point for us three to go into the city. I'm telling you right now, any people that you pass, it's going to cause a lot of alarm. Oh, of course. Walking south with him? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. So either we're going to have to stay off of the main path, which I don't even know if there's a way to get down to the swamp without being on the main road that travels south of Hexley. Do you have... Uh, where's your map? I'm going to see the uh, the map. The main map? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have it? To the west? Th- this is all... Because I see the forest comes to about Hexley, right? And then we have the mountains on the east. After Hexley, a few miles past Hexley, it starts opening up into flat plains. Are there... <clears throat> excuse me. Are there towns along the gulf here? Yeah, there's a bunch of small fishing villages and smaller ports of coal. And how big is Citadel? He's about seven feet tall um, and roughly 500 pounds of just bulky metal and like a dark oak wood with glowing eyes. Is it safe to assume that we're allowed back in the city without being harmed to gather our stuff to head south? Yeah, just Citadel's not allowed inside the city. Okay. Is it possible to get around the city to the south wall of the city without entering the city? Like, can we follow? Yeah, there's a, there's three entrances. So you, when you went into this cave, you exited the north entrance, uh, which is also the entrance you came in when you originally got to Hexley. There's also an entrance closer to the south side of the city that exits to the west. 
and then there's a south entrance around the south tip of the city. Okay, here's what I want to do. I ask Alvord. I say, let's pull our gold together. Alvord, see if there's any way that you can go into the city and obtain maybe two horses in a cart. Hopefully we can stash Citadel in the back of the cart, cover him, and then travel south. And I explained to Citadel, if this plan, if we're able to get our hands on a cart to put you in, you're going to have to remain in the back of the cart because you're going you're gonna to raise alarm of citizens who were walking along this path and it's just gonna it's it's gonna be harder for us for me to obtain my weapons okay mm. alright so I, I take my money I give it to Alvord okay Alvord grabs the money and uh goes back into the town I guess Whitmore's gonna stay with you yeah 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 he'll stay with me um alright so we'll figure this is um late night on the 9th. Okay. So he comes back and uh, he could only afford one horse and one cart. Okay. Um, he asks, you know, if you want to use another writ and he'll get everything that we need. Nah, that means we would have burned three writs already in this town. Let's just, <clears throat> excuse me, let's just take the, uh, whatever cart we can get. I'm sure it's big enough to hopefully hold this guy. Um, and worse comes to worse, I'll take my horse put it on the cart so that way we have two carts uh, two horses pulling the cart I'll control the cart you guys ride horseback flanking us and we'll make our way south and we should probably do it under the cloak of darkness we should we should leave as soon as possible and see how far we can get before the uh, early mornings of the 10th okay so uh, you get the cart all situated now you have you have four horses yes uh, three of you and this cart. So now you got, just so I understand, like a vegetable cart kind of a thing? Yeah, with the tarp. I just want him to lay on the back. We'll cover him with the tarp. We'll attach the horse that we got with the cart, with the cart plus my horse. Right? Because I would imagine it's, you know, it's got like one of those poles you can like, um, you know, rig up a horse on either side, uh, you know, in order to pull the cart. That way it'll help being that it's going to carry this 500-pound monstrosity plus myself. Okay. Right. Uh, so Whitmore... Uh, spends a little time reinforcing the cart. Oh, no. And, uh... Some mud and sticks? <laughs> a little better than that. Okay. And Citadel climbs in the back, and he blows off a little bit more steam, and he starts compacting himself and lays almost... He's just slightly above, when it's all said and done, slightly above the edge uh, the top lip of that cart. Okay. Um, with nothing hanging out either side. And I guess you cover a tarp and tie down. Right. And he is completely motionless. He doesn't breathe. Okay. He doesn't twitch. He doesn't, like, uh, stretch his arm right. because he's uncomfortable. He is almost like in a mode of stasis. Right. His eyes have gone dark. Mm. And he so understands. No glowing out of the cart. Right. Um, it's important to note that he can still hear everything that's going on and understand everything that's going on. Whitmore does not need to rest. He goes into like a stasis mode. Whitmore? I'm sorry, not Whitmore. Uh, oh, Citadel. Citadel. Okay. Okay. 
So we're going to journey? Yeah, yeah, we're going to head south. I'm going to sit. Now, are, are you looking to get just a little bit outside the city limits and then rest up for the night, or are you strictly going to want to do this throughout the night? About what time is it? I would say it's... Um, like close to midnight? No, not that late. Probably like 9, 10 o'clock at night. I would say we travel for about four hours. Yes. Good call. How do you like this? Delicious. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would say we travel for about four hours. So okay. about maybe like two in the morning. And then... Um, so for probably about roughly an hour outside of uh, Hexley, right. it's very easy going. Uh, there's lots of small settlements. If you were to follow the main highway south, you're surrounded by South Hexley, Old Hexley, East Hexley, Hexley Hills. It's small subdivisions of people that pay taxes to Hexley and are part of Hexley's protection, but they want to be away from the Baroness because she is just an oppressive person. Right. So they've kind of, throughout the years, have formed their own little farming villages, smaller villages and whatnot. Uh, if you were to go four hours or so, that would put you at Vogtrum Bridge, which is the first main crossing. And if you want to continue following the main highway, you would continue going south. Shortly past the bridge, past this large river, um, are plenty of places where if you want, you could pull over and and sleep for the night or the remainder of the night, which would put you at about, figure, 1 or 2 a.m. on the 10th of okay. everything. So I would imagine at around 2, when it seems like we get past that bridge, I want to find maybe an area that we can uh, pull off off the main road towards the west side. Okay. Well, the, the east side is what? More so forested? As, as you continue south, uh, the mountains start... You're now kind of getting more towards, like, foothills. Right. And the west is starting to break from forest to more, like, grasslands. Okay. So I want to stay on the east side. Towards Just the so mountains. there's a little more cover okay. for us. Um, would you ask Alvord a good place to stop? Would you ask for his input? Sure. All right. Give me a survival with advantage. Because at this point, Alvord is the only one who's traveled this far. Yes. Twelve. Okay. So you find a fairly nice place to stay and you shack up for the night. Yes. Anything that you would want to talk about at the camp or are we just going to forward time? Um... I think maybe we should figure out what our plan is going to be for the next day. Do we want to travel to the outpost? Your mailman comes down here. Uh, only if there's large packages. Ooh. The AT&T guy is still here. A lot of backing up. Yeah. So I think at this point... We have to decide whether or not we want to head to the outpost or if we should make it uh, straight to this path of crows. I, I think we have all the information that we need off of the item that we were given from Northridge. 
I think we have enough supplies also um, to continue this journey without having to stop. I just want to avoid large areas or at least, you know, places with a, uh, with a decent amount of, of people, especially now that we have uh, this cargo in the back of the cart. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think the path has been laid out before us. I, I think again, we with know Alvord, where we need with to Alvord go. with you, he can continue to do the hunting. He's familiar with the lands. He's obviously a very good hunter. So, running out of food isn't an issue. Right. Um, you're going to be following, somewhat following a large river most of the way. So, water probably okay. won't be an issue. Right. Um, and we have shelter. Yeah. And really, the only the only issue is that you're on a main highway. So. You you do run a risk of coming across possibly a patrol going from the fort maybe to Hexley or vice versa that might ask you about your cart. Um, but other than that, you know, if you were to go off the main road, I don't know if the wagon would hold up. So you have to make a right. couple of decisions. There's going to be a risk either way. Okay. How far out are we from uh, the Path of Crows? So we made it four hours. It's 2 a.m. now. I would imagine that should be our first stop. Yeah. I mean, the map is hand-drawn, so there's probably going to be some exploration involved. Of course. With trying to figure out what Path of Crows actually means. Okay. But I would rely on Alvord to see if there's any landmarks on the, Well, I mean, the map seems very generic, right? Yeah. I would think looking at the map, it's like a quickly... Like hand drawn map with just these these waypoints right. and the writings on it, so it's not anywhere near being geographically accurate. So using the map and trying to combine it with Alvord's knowledge, it would be kind of difficult for him to determine where exactly that is, but would maybe have a general sense of the area that we should be in. Right. So okay. So having said, knowing that there is a a geographical circle. Um, you know, an area that maybe we should begin investigating to find that location on the map. Excuse me. That location on the map. How long do you think it would, uh, like days? We're days away? To get to the swamp? To get to the swamp. Without stopping at Fort Vogtrum? Correct. With everything working in your favor? Wind at your back, as they would say? Wind at our back. Uh, you're looking at probably 12 days. Okay, so it's a long journey. Okay. There was no need for us, right? We were not ordered on this mission to stop at the fort, right? No. No, it, they we just viewed that as like a resupply. Klaus Alexanderson, uh, the captain from Northridge, basically just gave you an idea of good places where you could stop to resupply okay. and recover if things went poorly. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there's really, your mission really is just to kind of put together if there's a cult. And to report back to the Thunder Force that there is indeed a cult or it was some other machination, and they'll deal with it from there. Okay. Uh, and again, Fort Vogtrum really isn't even a town. Um, that's more, it's like an outpost. Yeah. That, that's the, it used to be the capital when Vogtrum was its own kingdom. Now the, the Vogtrum family that still has that bloodline lives in that house, and they're in control of pretty much the entire southern side of Debrin. And they pay... Uh, fealties to the Empire itself. Okay. Think of it like a governor. Right, right, on the state level. Right. I gotcha. All right, well, I believe that's the only thing that we would uh, that we would discuss. 
All right, so... And then we'll, you know, take watch. All right. We're going to continue? Yeah. Let's head south. All right. Let's uh, let's roll for weather. If there's any point where we can um, not... Be, I'll, I'll take a longer journey to get to the swamp on an, like a, like an offshoot of the main path than stay on the main path for brevity of travel. Okay. Well, the one thing I can tell you is, aside from Fort Vogtrim, there's really no major cities uh, on right. route to the swamp. Okay. Uh, the further south you go, the more expansive it gets. Right. And really, there will be less people on the highway in general, especially once you get closer to Vogtrim, because there's really no reason to go south. But it leads me to believe that the quality of people that we potentially will run into will be less desirable people than you would find in the north. Okay. Because if you're saying, right, that, that's just where my head is. If if the uh, if the Imperium was sending criminals down here for exile, almost like, you know, Siberia. Um, exactly. These are the type of people that I believe, Harrison believes, would be frequenting the main road. You know, like bandits, similar to what we encountered on our way down to, to Hexley. So in traveling... While I'm operating the cart, it's getting warmer out, but it's not unusually warm, right? It's not like summer weather. You're starting to push into like, as you travel south, we've gone from winter to maybe like 40s. Okay. Right? And as you go south, it's going to get maybe closer to 50s. And then by the time you get to the swamp, it'll probably be closer to like the 60s. Okay. I'm going to take... A, a blanket, maybe if it's too warm, I take you know my uh, my okay. jacket or a cloak off, and I'm just gonna drape it over my over my waist as we're driving. I have my crossbow ready with a bolt in it, just in the event you know where we're attacked, surprised, whatever might happen. Okay, so I'm ready for an encounter should an encounter take place. All right, so I'm sorry you said roll for weather. Yeah, hope this motherfucker don't rust. Five. Okay. Roll for getting lost. Ah, my specialty. 12. And roll for general luck. 13. All right. So uh, I, I picture this being kind of rainy weather. Um, we're getting a little past uh, the the wintry mix. It's starting to turn more towards rain. Yeah, so it's, it's rainy and, and kind of nasty out. I'm back to full health. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Everyone's, everyone's good to go. As you're traveling along the road, you find yourself entering a small village. Uh, the kind of small village that doesn't even have a name. Maybe a dozen buildings or so. And they all appear to be log cabin type homes uh, that most of them double as businesses. There's a blacksmith forge attached to one house. Another house has the word shop painted above the front door. And the inn has a group of about 15 people in front of it, yelling curse words and waving torches and pitchforks. Getting closer to the crowd, you notice a dwarf at the head of the mob antagonizing everyone. What's he saying? Saying you things son of a like bitch for trying to hook me into this. Wait, so we're traveling through this town. So the, the road that we're on leads directly through this. Yeah, you this cut town. through this little it looks like a brand new kind of a village. There's only like like I said, twelve or fifteen houses or so. And most of the houses look like they double as a as a business. And relatively new. So yeah. this looks like a small little pop up town. Right. It doesn't even have a name. Right, 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 right. Uh, and this dwarf is in the middle of this this angry mob, What's shaking his shaking his fist. Uh, come out! We know what you've done. Face the music already. Oh God! 
Yes. Is that? Oh, it's this thing. Okay. Yeah, it's to uh, the atmosphere. Yes. Like <laughs> Dyson pipes. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy. Lots of stuff going on. I found my new best friend. You are, I don't want to say in love, but yes. you are a big fan of your newest party member. There is a bromance developing. I think that's probably the, the best way to put it. So <clears throat> before we get started, uh, you and I both listen to a lot of Dungeons and Randomness. Yes. And Jason, who is the DM for that podcast, great podcast if you want to check it out, he makes incredible NPCs. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to create an awesome NPC, and I was trying to think. Originally, Whitmore was going to be the awesome NPC, but I decided to kind of make him a boob. Yeah, you did a good job with that. (laughs) You, you've actually, in Whitmore, you've created the perfect character for me to despise. Because <laughs> I, I, I legitimately despise him. And I think coming, you, you'll see there, there may or may not be a, a change of heart towards Whitmore. But I think Citadel is, as of right now, the perfect complement to Harrison. Yeah. So like, we'll, we'll get into the Warforged known as Citadel. Uh, so you, you are in this this underground labyrinth and in this center antechamber or uh, antechamber do we agree that that's a real word yeah we'll go with that you find this parchment that is a drawing of what you believe to be the swamp Uh, and it's written in these cryptic words and in real life it's actually still hanging up in the wall here yes I gave you that piece of paper to look at it's on very old College ruled lined paper. <laughs> <laughs> Prehistoric, some might say. Yes. Uh, and I actually drew legit runes on it. I, right. I just did a quick Google search for runes. Those actually do say the words that they say on the map. Get out. Uh, just in weird Googled runes. Can I use Google? Does Google Translate have runes to English? No magic. Uh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. They really need to update their software. Citadel might have Google Translate in his have processor. Next episode. Uh, so you're describing this, and then of course, and this was a role that I made, I think before we started recording, whether you were going to be invaded by Thunder Force from your horrible job That's of cleaning terrible. up the crime scene, getting into the cave. Uh, you failed that that invisible role that I made. Of course. That role should have been like 90% chance they invade the, the cave. Uh, it was a six-sided dice. It was 50-50. Odds were they oh, came wow. in, evens they did not. Okay. Uh, but of course, as dice and pipes tradition, not only was it an odd number, but it was a one. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, in the back of this cave, and this was predetermined, this was a thing that actually existed prior to this episode, uh, was this secret chamber that you found with little work. And it contained this flat pool of water. And, you know, listening back while we were editing it, I was having a real hard time trying to describe. I I think ultimately I did it, but this water, trying to describe that when you first walked in and you looked at it, there was this very small hole at the bottom of the pool to make it almost look like it was a tunnel. And for some reason, I don't know why you did it. 
I guess we'll talk about it real quick. Why you decided to start flicking the water into the channels that ran along the floor? Because mm-hmm. that was written in my notes as the mechanism that activates this portal. And really, I did nothing to describe to you in any indication of why you should actually do that. But for some reason, you did it. And you had expressed concern that you were way too cautious dealing with this with this pool of water. Um, but I think it turned out all right. I think it turned out great. So to so we have this room set up. There's statues on either side and then a map, a world map on right. the back wall. So the first thing Harrison learns is that there's potentially other continents. Correct. And the world map looks different than the world that I know. Right. Right. So for those who are... Uh, Uninitiated, Debrin has like a donut in the center of the continent, which is a, a, a like a tide pool of water swirling around, uh, with the imperial capital in the center of that donut. And that donut did not always exist. Uh, it's general knowledge in Debrin that there used to be a temple there, and there was a catastrophe that happened, which is why there is no longer magic in Debrin. But this map that you find appears to predate that incident. So I guess we'll just start with this room in general. Uh, the, the, the ghostly torches that light around this room on their own. Again, I'm, I'm hinting towards things that should not exist in this world. Your great-great-grandparents never even saw any of this stuff. Like the, These stories of magic have been lost to history. Uh, very, very basic knowledge that there used to be fantastical things in the world. And not only that, but everyone on Debrin believes that Debrin is the only continent on the planet. Uh, the planet, as far as the people on Debrin are concerned, don't even have a name. Right. It well, is they're, just they're flat Debriners. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's what they are. You fall right off the edge. Right. So you were extremely cautious. And I, I was okay with that. Um, because I think I need to take time to prove to you that I'm not an antagonistic DM. Uh, not always, anyway. Right. Um, so what, what, what's your thought process when you're going into this room? And, and again, we were just talking about this. I, I, just my mind, I become very analytical and I view it almost like as a puzzle. So I don't know what to expect. So I'm in this room, and and almost I feel as though, and I think you did a great job with this, using the Thunder Force outside of this room. Um, once we gained entrance into that secret area, once we gained entrance, I think you did, again, a great job in using the Thunder Force almost like as a pressure mechanism to force a decision. So after we recorded this, after we recorded, I'll, I'll roll. <laughs> I didn't catch you saying anything wrong. 19. Whew. After we recorded this episode, um, I ended up going on YouTube, and there are there, there's two guys that I follow on YouTube. One is uh, Puffin Forest, and one is Z Bashu, and they're two guys that animate D and D campaigns, and like they do like examples of like rules and stuff like that, like spells and whatever. Well, Z Bashu did a uh, did a video of the countdown puzzle. And, and it kind of put everything in perspective for me. And basically the exercise that, that he gave to his party was don't overanalyze a situation that you're in, which was great for me because I tend to do that all the time. 
case in point, this room. I didn't know what to do with the water. I looked in the water. I'm rippling the water. I'm throwing shit in the water. I'm like tiptoeing in the water. I'm splashing the water. Like, I don't know what to do. And some of the, sometimes you just have to take like a leap of faith and just kind of take it at face value, take it for what it's worth. Um, and I think you recognized almost like my flaw, not my flaw, but you know, the, the way I handle things. And you threw the thunder force in there to force my hand, which I think was great. Um, which then allowed me to try to solve this puzzle a little faster. Because again, I'm, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one. There's a lot of us that fall victim to we want to overanalyze everything to make sure that you're not going to put yourself in a situation where your character is going to be killed. Because you know, th- there's an investment in your character. You don't want to have a party wipe or or even just see your character die. Right. Um. So you you want to be cautious, but you don't want to be overly cautious to the point where you stall the campaign and you just kind of put everybody on their heels now and now you're just overthinking the problem. So you end up activating these channels that are running through the ground. Right. I don't know why you did that. Uh, And again, I think it was just by pure happenstance. Yeah. Um, Trial and error. I saw these channels... Um, I figured they led to the pool. Obviously, water or some sort of liquid must have flowed through these channels. So why not try to take the liquid from this pool and put them in the, ch- you know, into the channels and see what happens? And you know, luckily that uh, that afforded me the opportunity to to yeah have so what happened. When place. you put the water in the channel, uh, you know, it, it rips through the, all the channels under the floor. And at that point, I set a timer on my phone behind the screen for five minutes and or ten minutes or whatever it was. The Thunder Force eventually was going to come in. Right. I illustrated that by saying that they noticed that there's all of a sudden this activity on the floor, and they're not dumb. They realize it's coming from under the under the, the false wall. Were you considering just surrendering at any point? Never. No. Surrendering? No, no, no. That wouldn't happen. Okay. So uh, you... I, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. I think Harrison at this point had realized that in Hexley, like, th- these writs probably were not going to get them that far. Like, fine, using them at the that inn, you know, that was one thing, but using them on Thunder Force, if we didn't use them on the Thunder Force guarding the gate, I don't think it was going to help us after two Thunder Force were slain. I, I don't think it was right. going to get us out of this problem. So you decide to step into this portal, and you get transported to what I can only describe as, uh, for inspiration for this, the Hunter's Dream from Bloodborne. Ah, very good. Um, a little more Greek in nature. It's basically... Like a floating, uh, like a floating section of marble. Picture like a marble castle where one room is ripped out and just floating in nothingness. You, you could take a look at uh, Instagram. In- wow, I can't even <laughs> fucking plug us the right way. I meant to say Instagram. Fuck, and I rolled a six. Instagram, Dyson Pipes. Brian put up a uh, a great picture of a drawing of this particular room we're talking about. Yes, right now. it looks very phallic. Let me drink. Um, fuck me so it's a bunch of so you come out on the other side and it's white marbled with statues lining all the walls I felt like I was in an Italian wedding (laughs) yes that's what it was like picture uh, like a fancier uh, godfather wedding ah very good and you end up meeting so far Luca Brazzi the (laughs) yes Luca Brazzi was there I hope your first child is a masculine child no, not he, Luca Brazzi. They, uh, you find Citadel. Yes. 
So Citadel is a Warforged. Um, First time I had ever heard of this book, right? Warforged. I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, I think it's in Xanathar's. I know in in three point five it was in there. I never played three point five, uh, but I love the idea of the Warforged. So for those who are uninitiated, Warforged are basically autonomous soldiers that are built that have the souls of actual soldiers in, in inserted into them, giving them. They're not really supposed to be like machines. They're supposed to be sentient. They have desires and goals and emotions. And I kind of played around with that a little bit. Um, picture like the Terminator, where he can learn, he can get mm. smarter, he can adapt, but ultimately he's very numbers-driven. So in essence, outside of the numbers-driven, in, in essence, if you kind of want to connect this, not that you can really make the connection, to like uh, like Warhammer, they're almost like Necrons, Warforged. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a particularly large uh, Warforged with a Warhammer. And, uh, you know, you guys talk a little bit, and I'm doing my best to make him not appear violent towards you. And this was on the fly, uh, which I've gone back and created a little bit of mythos around this. He starts referring to you as the Traveler. Right. That was off the cuff. Um, but this portal that you fell in, Originally, when I designed this campaign, was a primary section of the campaign, these portals. And just off the cuff, I came up with the term traveler. That's how he refers to you. He never uses your name. He always refers to you as the traveler. And he's able to read this old language that's on your map that's, that's, uh, that you acquired. And in mechanical purposes, you're a level zero. Whitmore is a level one or two, maybe. Uh, Alvord is a level one or two. I made Citadel a level 10. Uh, and I did that because after your encounter with the spider, I realized rather than nerfing everything I throw at you, I'll give you a fucking cannon and keep everything the way it should be. Right. Uh, and I illustrated that by when you bring him back into the chamber, he, without rolling anything, I just, for narrative purposes, he wipes out 10, 15 soldiers without breaking a sweat. Which was awesome. Uh, and, that's and unexpected. That's yeah. not what I was expecting. When that door opened, I was not expecting Citadel to just fucking lay waste to everybody. In retrospect, now when we take a look at it and we talk about levels, like now you can understand, okay, fine, these Thunder Force are probably like Whitmore level Thunder Force. Three, four. Which puts yeah. them, all right, fine, anywhere between like one and five, right, level. And here you have a guy who's around level 10, and it just shows you how powerful a higher-level character in D&D is versus lower-level characters. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if we rolled out that encounter, he probably wouldn't have won. But what I'm trying to do is show you a character that can probably get you out of situations. Because at this point, right. I feel like you as a player are thinking like, holy shit, I almost died from bats and a spider. So I'm trying to give you a little bit of a, again, designing a campaign around a one-on-one, -on -one, one DM, one player. Right. Here's, here's a trump card, basically. Uh, and off he goes, takes out these soldiers, and then we finally meet somebody that's been alluded to a bunch of times, uh, the Baroness, the Bloody Bell, they call her. Yes. Uh, Annabelle. 
and I made her as fucking obnoxious as possible. So you leave the cave, and now you're swarmed by Thunder Force. Uh, I don't think I actually gave a hard number, but I gave the impression that they were behind you, they were in front of you, they were on the sides of you. Bows and arrows, swords, pole arms, everything you can think of. There's a detachment there just for you. Right. Um, and the impression that I had as a character, like if the, if, if the, if the person who's running this town is approaching me, uh, almost her entire army, I would think is, or at least her security detail is now in front of me. And it's not something that I'm going to be like, okay, go ahead, Citadel, take them all out. Or right. me and Alvord and Whitmore along with Citadel. I, I never felt as though that it was a situation where the four of us were able to... Like, if we had picked a fight, we were going to die. Well, in the in the DM notes that I have, had you gotten yourself incarcerated up to this point, the get-out for that would have been... Uh, if you remember, on your way to Hexley, you encountered two bandits. Right. So there's a bandit camp near Hexley. Your get-out for that would have been the bandit camp, but now things are different because you've killed two of her men. And now you've killed 15 more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you made a couple of good rolls as far as intimidation checks. And again, uh, if if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, uh, Harrison is a level zero. So even though I'm calling for an intimidation check, no matter what I'm asking for, it's a flat 20. Right. Uh, the, the check is more for the listener to understand what you're rolling for. And for me, just to kind of get back into the habit of asking for specific things. So even though I'm asking you to make an intimidation check, no modifiers, no proficiencies, right? just a flat 20. And it's also good from like the player's point of view to understand, look, if you're going to take an action against an entity, whatever that entity is, like there should be a role. Well, maybe not should be a role, but it, the chances are there's going to be a role that's going to accompany that action to determine whether or not you succeed or fail. Yeah. So I see an opportunity to get rid of Alvord and Whitmore. Uh, and I offer them up in service to the uh, the Baroness. And I'm doing that because I'm very concerned that... And you, you haven't done it yet, but I'm very concerned that the characters that I play have inside knowledge, obviously, because I'm also the DM. And I'm afraid that you are going to use their suggestions, which you haven't really, but you would take their suggestions as a weightier option than coming up with something on your own. And you haven't done it yet. I don't know if it's because you're conscious of that or just you have your own mission, you're going to follow it, but any chance I get to get rid of these characters, I'm going to take. So they offer themselves up, and you actually stop it. And what happens after that is this interesting power play where it's almost like, uh, what do they call it, the Mexican standoff? Yes. And that's kind of where we're at. And you pretty much say, like, I'm going to kill everybody here. I might die, but I'm going to kill everyone here. I make a roll... And she goes along with it, basically banishes Citadel from the city. Right. Um, what is what? What was your plan if those roles didn't go in your favor? Yeah, I was not giving up Alvord and Wilmore. It just it, it wasn't going to happen. Like that's my party. We've been tasked with this quest. Like I, I, I was not going to give them up to the Baroness. And now it's great because I think, I think in all of this, 
this has made the Baroness, like Whitmore's like central target. Like that is his enemy now. Like granted, we're on this quest, but his enemy is the Baroness. So we would have fought to the death. I'm I'm convinced that would have been a fight to the death. So I, if, she, I if, she, if she called your bluff, we're doing it. Yeah, we would have retreated back to the cave, try to take some sort of like, you know, um strategic positioning in there, and we would have fought to the death. We'd be rolling new characters. <laughs> <laughs> this, this would have been a very short lived campaign. Um so yeah, you're, was, you're not afraid to throw yourself up against the wall. No, again, I'm I'm not gonna throw what do they say, caution to the wind. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play this to kill this character off. I love this character. This character is great. And I think I have this attachment to this character um, for the fact that it's really the first character that I've played in 20 years. So, of course, I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to make sure that this character survives. But again, I'm going to role play, and I think that's the important part of this. I'm going to role play this character the way that, in my mind, I feel this character would make a decision. And he is not going to let his friends, he's not going to let his friends be taken advantage of by somebody like this Baroness. Um, in order to get ahead. There are others, maybe, yeah, it, 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 you know, it, there are others that maybe he would throw under the bus, but we, I think we've been through like so much in such a, a short period of time, and as much as he does not like Whitmore, he's not going to put him, he's not going to put Whitmore in a situation where Whitmore is going to suffer because of a choice that the party has made. Well, in, in the cave, Whitmore proved himself a couple times. 100%. Um, I believe he's. I, I believe in every combat encounter so far, except for the very first one with the two bandits, the guys in the bar. I think the oh, bats, hold on, the guys in the bar, the guys in the bar. Well, what I'm saying is the he's, guys in the he's, bar. He's rolled a crit okay. in every single combat encounter. Yeah, he uppercutted somebody out of, out of their boots. Who started that encounter? Well, you know, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. He is worthy in combat. Yes. He, he takes care of himself. And he offered himself up to get you out of trouble. I mean, that must have earned he a did. couple points. No, and that's valiant, and, and I appreciate that. And again, he's a member of my party, and as much as, as it appears as though Harrison and Whitmore don't get along, or at least Harrison doesn't like Whitmore, Whitmore is not going to, I mean, I'm sorry, Harrison is not going to allow Whitmore to sacrifice himself for Harrison. He, he won't allow that. So you're getting attached to the big fella. Yeah, yeah, I have a soft spot for, for Whitmore. Much of a uh, goof he is. So Alvord kind of is like, I almost feel like you're turning to Alvord for advice. Yeah, he's my figure for guidance. Whitmore is is my figure for muscle. And, well, not anymore. Not anymore. So he's expendable. Uh, and Citadel, you have gone to the point that we 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 end up negotiating our way out of the Baroness's clutches, and now we set up like a vegetable cart to transport. Citadel around. So you've spent more or less all of your money. Yes. So you're obviously a big fan of Citadel. Well, Harrison Harrison's in awe of not only the the like mystique that surrounds Citadel, but his power as well. Harrison's never seen a warforged before. So this is all new and, to him. And neither has Chris. And neither have I. So <laughs> this is all new. I'm not going to allow him to die. I like the smokiness yeah. in the cabin right now. It's very, very ominous. Very cool. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm not going to put my uh, my character in a situation where, uh, you know, he's going to allow 
a new toy like that to to disappear. So, you know, he becomes very attached to Citadel. Um, this whole tale of the Traveler is something that, that Harrison is now attached to, you know. Um, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what to make of it. He can only understand um, as little as he can through these dreams that he's having with these sisters and now coming across Citadel and seeing the power that Citadel has. And obviously, we'll, we'll get into what happens beyond this when uh, we start to travel south um, yeah, so and that's how things the, start to unfold. You do decide to make the journey to the swamp, uh, right. which I think makes sense. Well, I think that's really where this quest leads us to, right? So we have to make it as as far south as the uh, as the swamp. And when we drop off of the episode, we come across uh, this small little shit town that just sprung up. No name to this town. And we'll see what happens. What does Harrison do? Well, we'll see what happens with this town. Uh, in any event, uh, anything else you want to add to this? Uh, yes. The most important thing. I need more whiskey. Yes. Here you go. Bear with me. Thank you. Now, I think so far, you know, this has been um, this has been a great adventure. Uh, I think you, as you know, uh, you know, a guy who's GM before, and again, just getting into it, like the story is really starting to develop, and it has me as a player who hasn't done this in twenty years. It really has me on my toes. Like, I still have no idea. And again, we're probably, what, six hours ahead? Uh, four hours ahead? Yeah, we probably have about three to four hours left. So we're four hours ahead of what we're talking about right now, and I still have no idea where we're going. So, good. I will toast you one more. Uh To Citadel. My Warforged buddy. I love this guy. To the Bloody Bell. <laughs> She's like my arch enemy. Wait till you see what I try to do to her. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> hey, now. Two paper checks. No hentai. Paper checks, they're still viable. I don't understand what you're, you're, you're <laughs> fucking hate against paper checks. Yeah. Two dice and pipes.